Welcome to Mustang Open Mic. The city of Mustang is highlighted, explored, and celebrated. A podcast discovering the vision of the city through inspiring conversation with Mustang leaders. And now your host, James Wall. Welcome, Mustang. Thank you for joining us at Mustang Open Mic, a podcast for Mustang about Mustang. We're here today with Sean Peak, board president of Ebony Clinic, whose form name was the Mustang Pregnancy Center. Is that right? That's correct. Sean, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So give us a little background on the clinic. Okay. Kind of a history. So the clinic started in 2006 and from some wonderful ladies that had been previously involved with another pregnancy center that's called Birth Choice. And uh, they weren't able to keep, keep their center in Mustang open and running, but the ladies involved there really felt impressed that that ministry was still needed out here. So within 48 hours of Birth Choice having to close their doors, they had the incorporation ready for a new independent clinic and had found a new location and started it up and um, have been running it ever since then. So it's gone through a lot of different hands at this point, and uh, some of the ladies that were involved stayed involved for a very long time, and one of them has gone on to work with another pregnancy center called Crossroads Clinic. Um, So they really felt like the ministry here was still needed. Uh, Mustang has a very high teen pregnancy rate, even in Oklahoma, and they just knew that that ministry needed to keep going. We didn't become medical until the beginning of last year. We had, for many years, had the hope of getting an ultrasound machine and using that as a tool sure. because we knew how effective of a tool that is in helping young women choose life when they find themselves pregnant, probably didn't plan to be there. And it's a way to actually let them see that it is a baby. Um We are doing very, very early ultrasounds, obviously. And so sometimes it's just simply a tool to buy us some more time with that young woman to give them a little bit of time to get out of that immediate crisis moment of, what am I going to do? I've got to take care of this right now. So if we can very quickly, within a couple of days, get them in for an ultrasound, even if we don't quite get the heartbeat, even if we're not quite seeing everything yet because sure. it's so early, right. we say, you know what, it's really early. You've got plenty of time to make this decision. Why don't you come back in next week or the week after? It's also just another point of touch in their lives. It's another ministry opportunity to encourage them, to help them not only see that what they have growing inside of them is life, but that their life is super, super important as well. So, And you said that the Mustang has a high rate of unwanted pregnancies. So what do you think is the cause of that? What, How can uh, the city help support Ebony Clinic in a way that would actually help girls not even getting into those situations? That's a good question. Um, a lot of pregnancy centers are also involved in um, education. They get into the high schools and are able to help with uh, sexual education. And obviously, a lot of stuff starts at home. I don't think there's any one big right answer to this question. There is a societal view that's much, much more relaxed um, about being pregnant and not married, about sex before marriage. Mm. And so there's a lot of factors in the teen pregnancy rate. So there's education, there's support at home. Churches 
we've actually run into some churches out here that still don't think that even within their own youth groups that they have this problem. Okay. Um, Interesting. We, we would like to share with them, though we can't, many of them, um, that that's not in fact true because we ask the question when girls come in if they attend church anywhere. So we know. We know where they're coming from, and we know if they're involved in a church already. And it does happen. Um, so having honest support, I think, is something that churches have shied away from. And, you know, it's an uncomfortable subject to oh, talk it about. Is. That's true. And then when you broach over the line of abortion, it's even taboo and not just uncomfortable. Um, and I think that just realizing that this is a part of life, it's a part of the life that we live in. God created us. This is a natural consequence mm-hmm. of not caring for the things He's given us in the right way, that it's okay to talk with teenagers and be aware of the society we live in and address that appropriately, that we can't just not talk about it and not encourage young people to know how their bodies work. Yeah. That's, believe it or not, that's one of the funniest things we run into. Not not funny funny, but it is right. a little funny to talk to 17, 18-year-old girls that have no idea how this even happens. We, believe it or not, we really do still get girls in that come in, say they need a pregnancy test, and we get talking with them and find out there's no way they could be pregnant. Right, right. Um, and so that's a little surprising. It's surprising that in 2017, we have girls that are that uneducated about sure. how it actually works. So um, I think there's just some information missing, it seems to be, on top of everything, of course, the spiritual issue, that God has just a better plan for them. Yeah, they can go and make these decisions, Mm -hmm. but that's not what's best, and that's what we tell them. We obviously have girls coming in looking for a pregnancy test, so we can't say, well, you should never have sex before marriage. That, That ship has sailed. Right. But what we can say is... There is a best plan for your life, and this is what that is, and this is what that looks like, and there are rewards for you know being in that place. So, so, so walk me through if because if I'm a teenage girl, which I'm not, but if I was, I think I'd be very scared to actually even come into a clinic, and even so, what does it look like if I walk into a clinic? You know, how are you going to take me from? where I am, scared to death that I may be pregnant, to help at the end. So we kind of ease them into it. We, uh, we've we tried to set up a lot like a medical office, and that seems to put a lot of girls at ease because because at first it feels a little anonymous. They come in and we just have an intake form very similar to when you go to the doctor. They're greeted very kindly and compassionately, though, and they sit down and we just ask them to fill it out and let us know when they're finished. And at that point, then we take them back to one of the rooms back further in to the clinic, and that's when we have time to sit down and talk a little more personally with them, um, go over the things that they're thinking might happen if they are pregnant, and that's when we start exploring what they already think their decision might be. And our volunteers are there because they care so much about these girls, about the lives of the babies that they might be having. And they're just wonderful ladies, and they all approach it a little differently, but they're all there to show love and to show compassion without judgment. And so we do just do our very best to give them a comfortable, calm environment to come in and feel heard and feel understood and then leave feeling very supported and like they are going to have the help that they need so that they can choose life for their babies. So they come in for what looks like an 
a medical clinic visit, and then we get them through the doors and we get the chance to just let them sit and feel calm and know that we're there to help them. And uh, like I said, the ladies there are just so wonderful. They love on these girls. And because we're not a full medical clinic, they, right. they're relaxed and they can share the love of Christ with these girls. And we ask them always to be sensitive to the girls that come in. Sometimes it's not going to be a blatant, let me walk you through the gospel. Right, exactly. It's just going to be, we understand where you're at and we're here to support you. And sometimes that has to be, we let them leave saying, no matter what decision you make, we're still going to be here and you can come back in and talk to us. Um, that's another thing that we have available is a post-abortion Bible study. And that's probably been the hardest thing as we're reaching more abortion-minded young women for our volunteers mm -hmm. to realize we're going to be seeing more of those, which also means we will be seeing some that leave and they are still going to go have an abortion. Right. And I mean, that breaks the hearts of our volunteers, but they've been so wonderful and so brave to still stand up with them and let them know we're going to support them and we are available. Um, and that there's still Christ's love to be had, even if you go and you need to come back after that decision. So. I know that one of the programs we have here is kind of, is a really partners with Ebony Clinic. And it's called Embrace Life. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about Embrace Life um, and what it does. I, I kind of know, but I want to hear it from your okay. perspective. Well, I'll tell you, the ladies you have here running it probably know more about the actual program than I do. Um, Embrace Life is an addition to um, a program that was already running called Embrace Grace. And it's a national company. Okay. Lots of churches can run it. We had um, gone through the Embrace Grace program a couple of times with some of our clients. First Baptist in town had run that uh, once or twice for some of our clients. Mm -hmm. And so that Embrace Grace was geared towards the first time very young moms through pregnancy. At the end of the uh, program, they would give them a baby shower it was very focused on the spiritual aspect, their worth, you know, how much God loved them. Embrace Life, I believe, is geared a little more on the practical side. It fits maybe after they've had a baby, uh, walking through just practical life skills, how to be a mom, how to take care of things that you need. And I believe at the end of that, they do crockpots. So instead of a baby shower, I think they get crockpots and crockpot meals and okay, just things yeah. to help them get set up to be successful. And that's that's our goal as well at the clinic. And that's why we love to be able to connect with churches. And we're hoping that kind of what you guys are doing here with Embrace Life will be sort of a template for other churches. We would love for them to offer classes. It gives our clients a whole base of support. And I think some of the girls that we've sent over here are actually already attending church and coming to services. and Very involved. That's our, I mean, that's our goal there because we have to stay laser focused in on what we're doing to do it well. We just don't have a big enough organization to do everything. And that's kind of what we were kind of in that place. We were trying to have the classes and trying to take care of people with kids all the way up through three years old. And we really just weren't doing any of it the best that we could, and we certainly weren't being able to focus on the abortion-minded young woman 
as our top priority. So to have churches pick up that extra support once they do come in and we say, yes, you're pregnant. And once we've worked with them and they say, yes, I'm going to have this baby, but I don't really know how I'm going to do it. That's when we need local churches to provide that um, Because obviously many of these girls do not have family support that they're going to need to be successful. And a lot of times the family they do have is not going to be helpful in helping them be successful as parents and just in general contributing members of society. Right, right. So, Ebony, uh, if people just heard that word, Mm -hmm. they would not know what that means. And that's exactly the goal. (laughs) So I'm glad. It was recommended that we find a name that was a neutral name. They said kind of think Amazon, think Google. When you first hear that word, of course, now we associate those with something. But at initial look, you didn't really know what that meant. Um, So with the intent of reaching more abortion-minded young women, it was to neutralize the environment they were coming into, to have a name that was pretty easy to remember, kind of unique, but didn't necessarily say, hey, we're a bunch of Christian ladies and we want you to save your baby. Right. So we did a poll amongst our volunteers and board members and narrowed it down to three names to pick from. And that ended up being the one most everybody voted for. Whoever submitted it said that Ebony is a combination of Greek and Hebrew words that put together would mean life begins or life beginning. Mm, so right. I believe Eva is uh, the Greek word. Is that right? Or Hebrew? And then Nissa is the the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever other one. So is. we took the beginning of both of those words, but each, you know, they mean life begins. So once everybody knew that, it was pretty neat because we told people, you know, we're changing our name. We're going to have kind of a neutral name. Uh, but we're still going to be Mustang Pregnancy Center on the inside. So, You talked about Mustang being a place that has a lot of unintended pregnancies. And how big of a problem? I mean, you, you said it's a big problem. You said we're pretty up high. But, I mean, how big of a problem is it in our, in our community? And are we talking in the county? Are we talking the school? Uh, where are we talking well, as far as actual statistics, the last study I saw, which, you know, they're usually based on a few years ago, but um, the most recent one I saw has Oklahoma as the third in the nation um, in the hi- highest teen pregnancy rate. So that's going to be 13 through 19-year-olds. Obviously, most of those are unintended. There's a few in there that they did it on purpose, but right. most of those are unplanned and are lean towards crisis situations. So third in the nation when we're nowhere near third in the nation in population size. Right. Um, so for Mustang itself, I don't have recent statistics. It's been a while. I've been involved with the Pregnancy Center almost 10 years. And, you know, when I first got involved, I was finishing my uh, bachelor's degree. I'd gone back to school to finish that. And it's it's hard to find city data on, on things like this. Uh, but Mustang was one of the highest in the state, in the teen pregnancy rate. So for whatever reason that is, I don't know if it's that we're kind of landlocked in here in Mustang and they don't have anything better to do. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or what the cause of that is. Um, but even back when I was in high school in the <clears throat> 90s, uh, I remember there always, Mustang had the reputation 
of kind of being that place. It was the place where I knew people who would drive out here to get beer. There were some convenience stores mm. that would sell um, drugs. And we every, it seemed like everybody I knew knew somebody from Mustang that had gotten pregnant. So it's it's kind of been floating around for a long time. So I don't have actual statistics for 2017 on that, but um, it's been around a while that Mustangs seem to have a pretty high rate. And that, that's troubling, knowing that we have probably the population of churches within exactly. Mustang is packed. I mean, right. concentrated. Very dense. Everybody comes <laughs> and they say, this is a very religious community because it's got so many churches in there. And the other thing that troubles me is is what you were saying that some churches just ignore the problem with their teenagers. Mm-hmm. As someone who worked with teenagers many, many, many years, um, it was something that you had to hit head on. You had to be upfront, you had to be authentic and real with them mm-hmm. and allow them to answer the ask the questions that many of them Many of us don't really want to hear those questions. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to think our children are even thinking those yes. things. So, so what can we do if we've got this stigma that here we are as this city that we're religious and yet we have these problems with our teenagers, especially unintended pregnancies? If I could just give, if you had a wish list, <laughs> if you could just give three wishes, what would those? What would it be to help us? Wow, that's an interesting question. Three wishes. I would say be honest. I would say open the doors of communication as absolutely uncomfortable as that makes people as parents, as church leaders, as just other churchgoers. Um, that it's, it's, we've made it so taboo that that in and of itself makes it a little bit more exciting. I mean, yes. we were all teenagers. Just just doing something that you think you're not supposed to be doing brings a level of an adrenaline rush and excitement. And clearing the taboo about a normal biological life process is an okay thing to do. And if we all believe that we say we believe God created us, it's... Um, then there's nothing to be ashamed of. And I think make, pulling that out of the closet and saying, this is not anything to be embarrassed about. Listen, you're going to be very interested in this. Yes. I have a son who's turning 13 on Sunday, so and he just came home from youth group this last Wednesday, and I asked him what was going on, what they talked about, and he didn't want to tell me. Uh-huh. And it turns out they were having they were the having sex and talk. dating talk. Yes. And um, he was very embarrassed. And so I've just had this talk with my son. I said, listen... This is not anything to be embarrassed about. And in fact, there's a really amazing way that God designed this to work, and it's the very best way. And oh, you can talk to me anytime about this. And just removing the taboo, opening the doors of communication, and being honest, um, seems like we always, as parents, we have a tendency to want to hide things and shelter our kids. But we, again, have to be aware societally of where things are at and what they're going to hear as soon as they walk out of our front doors. I homeschool my kids, but he's still going to hear stuff. He's still oh, going yes. to church and Boy Scouts, and um, which sounds safe, but found out it's not always, always either. Safe. So, um, well, I think I think parents too. What's interesting is is I remember growing up and getting the talk, mm-hmm. the talk. You know, it was that one talk, oh, that one, one talk, time, right? And, 
And I've it's done all my your duty. parents I've could muster. That's all your parents <laughs> could muster at that time. And I think we've got to be better as parents. We've got to be better as churches. That that it really starts a lot younger than thirteen. If you wait until they're thirteen, it's really late. It does to introduce those concepts to those children because they're they've already heard it. They've already uh, they're already talking about it in schools for sure. So really, beginning early. Mm-hmm. In appropriate manner. I mean, you right. don't have to dump all the information on right. at one point. But. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up is that it feels uncomfortable because in their minds they're going to have to be graphic or – and you don't. Uh, and we did, you know, we did with our son, who is older, several years ago, just kind of open the door. Hey, this is what this is about. As you get older, you're going to hear things. Your friends will say things. You just totally come and ask us. You never need to be afraid to do that. You never be need to be embarrassed. And I mean, just opening that little door every now and then, hey, and asking them, engaging children, what did you hear today? What did you learn about? And be careful not to ask those answer or ask those questions that allow yes or no answers. Ask those nice open-ended questions. Tell me about your day. Tell me what you talked about. Who was the favorite? Per- who's your most favorite person you saw today? Right. Anything to get doors open, and we do that better when our kids are little, I think, and then they get older and they get more independent. And I, I know as a parent of three who are just now, you know, I've got younger ones and one about to be thirteen. There's some amount of relief when your kids get a little older and more mm-hmm. independent. You're kind of like, oh, you can breathe and you can let them do their thing, but. What we know and what we need to enact as parents and in church is that that's when they need our attention more. And we can change the way that happens. We don't have to irritate them and harass them. We want them to feel comfortable coming and talking to their parents. And if that's not an option to someone in their church who's going to be honest, relaxed, not weird about it. right? And so um, I think it just takes practice on our part as adults to remove ourselves from any feeling of, oh, this is weird, or we shouldn't talk sure. about it. Because guess what? I don't know if you've been around teenagers lately, but they talk about it. They do. And it's exciting, and they talk about it all the time, often inappropriately, and often they have no idea what they're talking about, it, but they're going to talk about it. So giving them a safe place where they're not treated strangely, where there's not judgment. And I think that's probably where we have a hard time as parents, too, is knocking off that initial reaction yes. that we learn to respond rather than react to them. Because remembering the big picture, that we want them to learn a godly, healthy way mm-hmm. to be adults, to be teenagers who are going to be curious about all this sex stuff, um, is uh, is really important and it's not easy to do, but the end goal is worth all the discomfort that we feel sure and is. retraining our minds to work with them in a more natural, healthy, honest, open way. I feel, I, I feel like we've gotten off the Ebony Clinic. I think thing we totally got totally way off, didn't I mean, we? Okay. I mean, it's relevant. It's why our it girls is. are it coming is. in. It's why we see girls shuffling in who think they're pregnant and there's no way they could be, who right. are pregnant. And it's the second or third time we've seen them in four months that they thought they were pregnant. And so all of this does, you know, definitely go to the heart of why we're here and the heart of why we're needed here. And until 
all of us churches and parents reach the point where we have perfected the art of keeping mm. our kids from getting pregnant and having sex, there is a need for what we're doing. And as perfect as parents ever will be, there's always going to be teenagers that are embarrassed or ashamed to tell them and are going to need a safe place to go to have time to get through that crisis moment so they can make the best decision for them which we know is never going to be abortion, that right. it's always going to be choosing life. So, in, you know, and that's, you know, that's kind of our tagline when we're talking to girls is we are here to make, help you make the best decision for you. We can say that because right now it is a choice. It is a choice. Um, we run into uh, some difficulties sometimes with church people who get frustrated with us talking about their choice. It is a choice, and right now we don't have any power to change that. So, and honestly, you know, our clinic is so not political. We exist completely outside of any political stance on abortion because what we're there to do is just to help young women come in and have a safe place to get through their crisis moment and to learn how valuable their life and the life of their baby is so that they can choose life. We love to encourage our girls towards adoption. Um, it's a, That's a difficult talk. A lot of that girls have talk. the, oh, well, if I'm going to have this baby, I'm going to keep it. Sure. And uh, we refer them to adoption agencies who have become very skilled at walking them through that and, and helping them make that decision if that's what's going to be right. But either way, getting to the point of choosing life is our very primary goal. Right. So Ebony Clinic that exist with the help of people in our community. It's a nonprofit, and in order to sustain itself, it's going to have to have funds, correct? Yes. So how does Ebony Clinic stay afloat? And what are some things that you're doing to try and raise money to help out uh, the clinic there? So this is going to be our eighth year to do an annual gala banquet fundraising. Um, from the very first year we did that, it became our largest source of funding for the entire year. We have become a medical clinic, so I'm, I'm sure most people understand that's going to bring a lot more costs. In addition, we went a lot of years without ever paying any staff to be there. Mm. We came to find out that to run um, successfully, to grow, we're going to have to pay some people to be there, even though these are ladies that would probably have volunteered their time otherwise. Sure. We're trying to compensate them a little bit, and I can assure you it's nowhere near what they're worth. But So we're going to have our annual gala. It's coming up on March 23rd. It Now, the money is coming, obviously, from individuals. We do. We have reached out and started exploring some ideas uh, with grants. We have received a grant a couple of years ago from CK Energy, which used to be Cato Electric. Okay. We've applied again with them, and we have a small team of ladies who are going to explore some more grant opportunities for us. Once you've done it once and gone through the process, and you have all these nice materials mm. together, then it, it kind of you're kind of like, okay, we can do this. So they're going to be looking at some other uh, grant opportunities, um, but still, our very biggest source of funding comes from the people who attend the gala every year and either pledge to give money throughout the year or make one-time gifts. 
So that's coming up, and uh, we would love for people to come and hear about us and hear our mission and hear what's been going on, hear some testimonies from some of the girls who've come through our doors and uh, be a part of that evening with us. So how do I, if I want to go to the gala, Okay. how do I get tickets or what so do I So if you're not one of the people that's already on our mailing list, which we mailed out some individual invitations this week, so those will be going out. But if you if you haven't been a part of our mailing list yet, you can go to our website, and that is evanyclinic.org. Look for the Support Us link at the top, and there'll be a drop-down that takes you to the gala, and there's a registration page on there. Just send us your name and your information, and we'll get a seat reserved for you. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to going to the gala. Good. We're going to be glad to have you there. Looking forward to it. So I always end with a lightning round. Okay. So these are lightning questions, but I don't know how lightning they'll be. <laughs> but, but let me sh- throw out a few. Uh, share your favorite moment at the clinic. Okay, this is going to be one of those funny stories. I had several girls, which they often come in. The younger they are, the, they come in together. So uh, they came in, several girls. One said they needed a pregnancy test. We went back. She wanted her friends. And one of them started asking me a question about... We have this friend who says she's five months pregnant, and can she really be five months pregnant? I said, "Well, you know, I don't know. What are you What are you telling me here?" And so they start to telling me that she's five months now, but when she told that she looks huge, they, right. she's about to pop. She says she's only five months pregnant. You know, when she told us that she was pregnant, she said she was only 10 weeks pregnant, but her belly was sticking out. So we have some little models, little baby models that go down to nine weeks oh. gestation. So I said, okay, well, let's let's look here. So I open, opened it up, and I showed them my little babies and said, you know, at nine or 10 weeks, this is about how big her baby would have been. You can see from this, no, she wouldn't have really been showing and being pregnant. And they all gasped. And one of them went, oh, my gosh, it looks like a baby. And so it was a kind of a funny moment, but it was also kind of a, wow, there's so much misinformation and so Mm. much untruth about what's happening. And, I mean, even from society and doctors who would have you believe that's not a baby. And that right. little at just nine weeks, it already does look like a baby. They look like exactly what they yep. look in the womb. Yep. So and everybody was like, wow. That's it one is. of my favorite stories to tell. Uh, it shows you a few things about teenagers. but So what drives you, since you've been associated with Ebony Clinic, what drives you to do this? Wow, it's a good question. And again, I've been, I can't believe it's been almost 10 years, and I've gone through a lot of different roles there. I used to get to be in the clinic, and I ended up as director at the clinic for a while, and then have adopted three kids and now stay home as a homeschool mom. And so being on the board is a way that I can still be as involved as I can. I kind of had a unique perspective getting to come from being a volunteer and then a director to kind of merge that I had a goal and a passion for what this ministry could be and should be and get to be a, you know, a part of help steering the ministry. I'm involved because I'm passionate about people knowing the truth, that this is life, mm-hmm. that it's precious. And I think that people who say that they're pro-choice are very misguided and misdirected. And I tell people, I'm pro-woman. And women are deceived nearly every day into having an abortion Mm. because they don't know it's a baby. They don't know it's life. 
And I, uh, I probably slide. I'm, I, maybe I'm a little bit feminist. Hey, <laughs> um, in a good way, I think. I'm very pro woman. I feel like if women have the accurate information, even young teenage women, that they are going to easily be able to make the choice for life because the honest truth about what's going on is illuminating. Yes. So. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm very happy to do it. I've enjoyed uh, speaking with you and getting to know a little bit about Ebony Clinic. And we covered a lot more than we just did. Ebony <laughs> Clinic, which is awesome. And for our listeners, uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at iTunes and Google Play. Or go to our website at mustangopenmic.com and you can download the episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and help us spread the word about this great city. This is James Wall, your host. Join us next time as we have another inspiring conversation with one of today's leaders. Until then, have a blessed day.